Hello, listeners. I am so excited to share my interview with you today. I talked to Deanne Love, who is an international hula hoop instructor with over 80,000 YouTube subscribers. The awesome thing is Deanne is modest and down-to-earth and really introspective. She shares so much about how she's discovered who she is, what her patterns are, and how she copes with the world in different situations. We really get into the way that she's understood and understands her body language and movement patterns through hula hooping for a decade and also teaching people around the world. So I am excited. This is an amazing interview, really, really insightful and reflective and Whether you hula hoop or flow or not, maybe you were just a mover or thinking about moving more in your life, this is going to be a really helpful conversation about how movement and starting to explore your body in different kinds of ways can help you really get to understand yourself and anything that you want to confront in life can be found within your body. That's at least my belief. I am now offering mind-body healing sessions through confidential video chat. So wherever you are in the world, if you're looking for more self-compassion and inner peace, I can help you gain a deeper understanding of yourself and help you awaken your creative spirit. Visit mindyourbodydmt.com, click on the contact tab from the top menu, And let me know you're interested so that we can have a free consultation. Again, that's mindyourbodydmt.com. Hope you enjoy this episode. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. Would you tell us a little bit about your life story? Yeah, well, I was a primary school teacher, actually. I guess that was my my first kind of calling. And I taught for many years, probably about 10 years in Australia, and then moved over to Japan. And I was living in Tokyo, and life was wild. But I was also a decade deep in a career that was very systematic. So I was part of a a system that I was kind of butting heads with and I was looking for something else, looking for something a little bit different for my own pleasure and joy. Something that wasn't, you know, just going out and partying or um, Tokyo has a really kind of wild scene. And so there is a lot of stimuli and there is a lot of fun and craziness there, but I think I just wanted something for myself on a deeper level. And, you know, when we put the call out, we just kind of open up to that. Anything can happen. And for me, it was a hula hoop, <laughs> randomly a hula hoop. So honestly, if I can, that, that was 10 years ago. If I can think back to that moment, uh, I was trolling the internet, <laughs> just as <laughs> an inspiration, and I stumbled upon uh, this blog post that a friend had written and it was about 
it was an international dress up day and women had to dress up as their alter ego. Like who were they really underneath all of the masks and all of the titles and everything? Like who were they? And there was this one woman who dressed up as Heidi Von Hula. And she was like, if you want to see me in action or something, click here. And there was a <laughs> her with a big hula hoop and she was kind of wearing a bikini or something but these were like you know she it wasn't like a model or anything these were just amazing women from all over that were just coming together on this blog post and I clicked on it and it was a YouTube video of her like totally rocking out like to some dance music and she was just having the wildest time and I was absolutely mesmerized like I just could not believe how she was moving her body in a way that looked like she might be on the dance floor, you know, just really kind of cutting sick on the dance floor, but she had this huge hula hoop and the look on her face was just like total bliss. Like she was, yeah, just intoxicated with the joy of this Mm. movement. I was, I was hooked. So I became really obsessed with like finding out how I could hula hoop and I tried with the little kids hoop and, you know, I, I kind of like just started to, go all over the internet searching like crazy. And then uh, long story short, I eventually got a huge hula hoop and I just started hooping and practicing every single day. I bought DVDs from the US and I got them shipped to Japan and I would like watch the trick, um, you know, broken down. It was like basic tricks. And then I would run to the park and practice and my brain was just on overload and I would go to bed at night feeling the sensations of the movement, like, like never ever before I would, you know, it's like if you go out on a boat or if you're on a roller coaster or surfing or something, and then that night you have that right. sensation in your body. That's what I had. I had that from hooping. I think because I was spinning and whirling and then my brain was on overload. My mind was just so enthralled with this new kind of frustration and challenge of learning something new and then achieving that. So, yeah, so that was kind of my my first little um, uh, dip into hooping from being – and, I, yeah, I, I remained um, a primary school teacher, but I just, like, I switched off. I kind of – and, I like, I quit my job in the middle of the year because I just couldn't focus on, okay. on teaching the kids anymore. <laughs> I was obsessed with all of you so, um, yeah, so that, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Were, was that the first time that you were like really engaging in your body and movement in your life? Like, did you have any history of dance or like any kind of body-based e- expressive arts that you did? I always loved to move. I was never a trained dancer or I never, um, yeah, really went to classes, but I still have childhood memories of being like kind of the the boss of the group and going to the teacher at lunchtime and making sure we could get the stereo and I would like make mixtapes, you know, we'd be dancing to 80s music and doing all this choreography and I'm sure it was hysterical, but it was just, it was like a desire just to move and, you know, be part of um, connection with a group and with music. So I always had that. And then kind of when I graduated from school, um, yeah, I went kind of more into the like dance culture scene, I guess. Um, I wasn't really into like, it was like the nineties. I wasn't really into, uh, drinking in weird bars or anything, but I, I found the rave scene where you could just being on the dance floor amongst like hundreds of people that were all also moving their body to these beats. And I was just like, that was my life. So, um, 
yeah, so I hadn't, I wasn't trained as a dancer, but I found movement meditation. Uh, it wasn't what I called it back then, but it definitely was just dropping into this zone of being able to just completely uh, let go of everything and um, calm my mind through movement and music. So, yeah, that was happening from a really young age. And maybe that's why the transition to hooping felt so natural and so beautiful because I had been used to doing that for so long. And even though it, I didn't give it a title or I didn't really kind of try to frame it, it was just I just loved to move and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, then the hoop started to give me this feedback, you know. Suddenly it was like this dance partner that maybe I had been craving and also the challenge that I had been craving because I loved this freestyle dance and movement with the beat. Um, but suddenly there was a layer of uh, like – technique and um this kind of feedback you know if I drop the hoop or if I I don't know if if things weren't working suddenly yeah suddenly I had something telling me (laughs) uh how to move and and giving me that kind of response so yeah yeah so it sounds like you you were always a mover and I mean we're all movers but you you knew that you always had this kind of like inclination towards movement and then how was it to start learning with the hula hoop and like really focusing on like certain movements in your body. And did that change anything about how you like engaged in your own body and with other people too? Yeah, definitely. Um, it really brought focus to how I moved and why I moved. So before it was just like, it was just a necessity, you know, I just had to move to, um, to kind of release emotions or to to get rid of any kind of anxiety while I was a student and kind of going through my early 20s as well with all the, the stuff that you go through um, right. as an early 20s or, you know, it, at any age really. Um, I don't think that ever stops. But <laughs> I just intuitively wanted to move and dance back then and found it as a release. But then um, when I started hooping, I realized that there were certain ways that I would move that would create patterns that would allow me to, you know, flow with tricks. And then I also realized that um, if I did it for, you know, extended periods of time that I could actually uh, psychologically drop into a flow state. And for me, what that kind of really means is that I was meeting challenges. So I had something that was more than just like, me rocking out on the dance floor with the beats, you know, having a wild time um, and moving my body and, you know, kicking in all of those yummy, um, you know, endorphins in the body that made me feel good that I was now meeting like hoop trick challenges. And so that was like pushing me to move in a different way and um, I would respond to the hoops movement um, and I would respond to the elation of achieving something, you know, um, a trick or, or putting tricks together Um, And then I was really enjoying the process. So all of those things together um, really helped me to kind of access this. Yeah, I feel that it's a psychological state of flow. Mm. Um, And but prior to the hooping, I hadn't really named it or I hadn't really thought about it much. You know, maybe I was like, um, yeah, getting into flow states or feeling peak states of, of bliss and enjoyment. But I didn't really know what it was. So, um, so suddenly, yeah, I was able to move my body in ways 
that that had kind of more layers to it. Right, right. And I think I heard you say that you you had more intention with your movements before uh, once you started hooping too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, for example, okay, I want to learn how to chest hoop. <laughs> this is a really odd movement. I don't know. I've never done this before. I can see what it looks like on another human's body. I can, you know, get some instruction or kind of try to understand, but I am the only one that's going to actually achieve this. I'm the only one through practice and through, yeah, intention and mindset and not giving up and pushing through and picking that hoop up every single day and changing the music, changing my environment. I'm the only one that's actually going to achieve this movement goal. If that, you know, if that was my goal, chest hooping, for example. So, um, yeah, so there was, there was pure intention behind it. Whereas, uh, yeah, previously, because I wasn't a trained dancer, I wasn't trying to nail choreographies or do like cool footwork on the dance floor or whatever, you know, I hadn't really had that element to my movement. Yeah, you have to be really focused and aware of yourself. Like, I feel like we live in a world where it's easy to project on other people or focus on other people. And yeah. you can watch a million videos of other people's shoulder hooping. But like you said, I mean, I'm working on this now. It like yeah. it's not until it gets into your your body and the, the exact flow and timing that you use. So you really just like now it has to re- it has to be about you and how your process is and yeah. no one can really do it for you, which is that's yeah. kind of a hard challenge too. Yeah, and it's the challenging contrast of you know learning online. I mean, most people are looking at a screen and they're looking for not only inspiration but instruction or you know just anything that can help them, but there's a tipping point where there's way too much watching and wishing and hoping and not enough practice. And so um you know it's great to yeah to see examples or to get little sparks of inspiration, but the constant challenge is to remind yourself as the only one that's going to achieve whatever it is that you want, that you must practice. And I think, you know, that's my role is like an online hoop teacher. Now I feel like I spend so much more time, like reminding people of that and cheering people on and being like, you can do it, but you must do it. So there's no, <laughs> you can't, it doesn't just like morph into your system by watching someone on Instagram. In fact, it's probably more detrimental to, um, you know, to that psychological state or that desire or that feeling and definitely also to the strength and awareness that we have in our body if we don't practice. So more practice, less watching. Right. <laughs> and of hard, it's a challenge, it's the challenge of, of this age of, of the internet and screen time. But um, whatever it is that people can do, you know, set alarms, um, you know, get people to remind them anything, anything, set up a daily ritual or a weekly ritual. Um, yeah, we have to really try to get beyond the distractions of the screen. If, yeah, if we want to feel or succeed in, in whatever, shoulder hooping or nailing a million tricks or just ultimately feeling amazing within our body and mind. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that you bring that up because that just – like brings up a whole new perspective on hooping for me right now that is uh, so aligned with dance movement therapy is that like we can talk about what's going on in our lives. We can talk about our issues. We can talk, Mm. talk, talk. And like talking can be really, really helpful. It can provide some release. But uh, for a lot of people, it's like at a certain point, talking only helps so much. 
But yes. when you actually put it into movement and put it into action and align your thoughts with your your movements and your actions, like it makes a total difference. And it's like, and I and I'm like making that connection now with looking at all these hooping videos and being like, I want to do that. And I want to be that good. Or I want to know how to flow that way. And then actually going and doing it. It's really challenging when you can't get there right away. But you know, that's the only way to get there moving through it. Be like we talk about moving through, moving through like the stuff, like the emotional stuff, (laughs) like swimming through it in a way or like really trudging through it. Yeah, it's really, um, well, it's the only way to to feel. I mean, whatever the end result or the end desired feeling that we have from hooping, and you know, everyone's going to be completely different because, um, like for me, the ultimate is is that zone. You know, that zone that I knew on the dance floor, that zone that I knew when I first started hooping, and there was no Instagram, there was no there was no comparison. It was just purely me in a circle with headphones on in a dusty park, you know, just on like repeat in pure bliss states. So for me, that's, you know, that's where I want to go. That's where I need to be. And that's, you know, that's the state that cancels out anything else that's happening um, in my life. Um, But for other people, it's like, yeah, they want to be an incredible performer or they want to, you know, nail a, a, a trick list or so everyone's going to have an intention or a set of goals or, you know, whatever it is that they want to call it. Um, and it comes through, yeah, it just comes through practice. Honestly, it's like the amount of, of movement you dedicate to it. You'll, you'll get there, you know, and everyone, everyone looks different anyway. So it's, it's, um, yeah, impossible to kind of compare, but yeah, I think, um, I have this thing that I do and, it's just like a brain dump. So I always imagine that in our brain, maybe my brain is like just this big vacant space and these ideas and anxieties and worries and thoughts and inspirations and and whatever else bounce around up there. And they just bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce until I do like one of three things. So I either write it down Mm -hmm. and like, you know, just have this conscious scroll, um, or I speak it out, as you said, like talking is really helpful. It's good to kind of get it out. Sometimes it comes out in a different way, the, the bouncing around in the brain. And then when it, it comes out of your mouth and, you know, maybe like as it cycles through your heart or whatever out to your mouth, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, now that makes a lot of sense. Or, whoa, I didn't even realize that, you know, what was up there. And then, of course, the third way is through movement to dump that that those emotions or that build up or that excitement or whatever it is, um, for me now in my 10th year of hooping, it's, it's less about the nailing of certain tricks. Like sometimes I try a trick here and there, but, um, it's more about that brain dump. So it's, it's for me as a way to, to release, yeah, anxieties or excitement or any pressure or stress or even ideas. Like I, I um, create a lot of programs for online and I'm always thinking like my brain is on overload and I have a million ideas a day. And if I don't dance or move or um, poop, then they get stuck up there and they're no good to anyone bouncing around in my brain. So yeah, that brain dump by writing, talking or pooping um, is a really great way to just, and it comes down to practice. Like you actually have to do something (laughs) to get it out of your head. Yeah. And and the reality is it's it's not it feels like it's only in your head, but it's 
everywhere, you know, like emotions exist everywhere in your body. And so also when you're moving it, it's like you're taking this release to a whole new level. And, um, and like you said, everyone has different intentions, but I think, uh, what you said about getting to that flow state where you're, you know, like time is not a thing and like time doesn't Mm -hmm. matter in that, in that place. And the future doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. The past doesn't matter. Like the only time is now. I feel like that's just such a healthy place to get to no matter what, you know, anyone's intention is. Yeah. 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 It's so beautiful. It's like this, yeah, peak state. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You had just mentioned about like everybody looks different. Everybody's flow is different. And I wanted to bring up this idea about movement profiles or movement repertoires is what we call it in dance therapy. And it's like a profile of each individual person's movements, the way that they prefer to move in the world that kind of symbolizes how they, you know, how they interact with people around them, how they approach situations and how they make decisions. Um, So I wonder if through your hooping and just through your moving in life, if you've noticed at this point what your preferences are with moving in life. Yeah, I love that so, so very much. And I think um, it's actually, I always really encourage hoopers to video themselves, not necessarily to share it with the world. Maybe that is their intention, maybe not. But yeah, so that they can watch how their beautiful body moves and and what that means to them. And um, yeah, so for me, I feel it's really multifaceted. You know, when I look, if I look back at videos or or watch myself and, and the movements that I make, um, they're very much connected to, say, my emotions or what I'm going through in that phase of my life, um, how I'm feeling on that day, the, the cycle, my monthly cycle, you know, if I'm really kind of um, in these peak states or if I'm feeling quite, um, yeah, just wanting to soften and nurture myself. So, um, you know, the cycles of the moon as well. So this is another really incredible layer that I wish we could just talk for like years about. This is genius. Um, but yeah, I definitely see myself, um, at times as, as quite slow, um, and expansive in my hooping. Like I really like to take up space Mm -hmm. and this whole idea of, um, of taking up space is actually a contradiction that I kind of force myself to do in my hooping and in my life. Um, and it was a few years ago that I went to a movement medicine or a movement um, therapy class and the teachers asked the question, how much space do you dare to take up in life and in your dance? And I was just like, just dropped on the floor. I was like, that is everything. That is like the ultimate life question because we spend so much time um, hiding. Well, I personally, I can only, I guess, I can only speak for myself, but um, you're not alone in that. And so many different things, you know, what, whatever it might be, it could just go through a million things on a list of the stuff that we can hide behind, and sometimes for good reason, you know, like to nurture ourselves and protect. Um, but yeah, how much space do we dare to take up? in our conversations or in our life or in our jobs or standing up for ourselves or whatever it is. And so um, I try to very much bring that through in my movement now with my hoop. Um, And 
I try not to get stuck in the mud as I would kind of describe it. Um, and, and kind of like weighed down by, by any trickery or anything. I like to, yeah, expand myself as much as I can because that's a reminder to try to do that in real life as well outside of the hoop. So yeah, so I kind of, that's something that I, that I tend to do. And also I guess like I, I, I tried to have a balance, um, of the logical sequential, kind of style of like learning and understanding tricks and then the complete freedom to expand and express. So I, I do, um, I tend to say I think about that when I hoop, but I think it's become just an intuitive way and it is a part of who I am in my life and in my hoop that, uh, yeah, I like to, to work out certain things and I like to understand and unlock the puzzle to a certain point, but I don't let that take over, you know, I don't let strategy or tech take over my whole entire movement or life. I like to also have some mystery and, Ooh, what's going to happen next and trust that, um, you know, I just know where I'm flowing. So I can see that in my hooping and in my life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are such great life lessons. And I love how you connected that and the space is so important. And I mean, I feel like that's something that everyone can think about more is like, especially because we all exist in relationship with someone else. So like the amount of space that you take up really matters because whether you're interacting with a stranger or you're in a deep in a marriage or whatever it is, like you have to be aware of the the space that you that you leave for other people to give and then also how much space you give yourself to receive yeah. and give to others. Yeah. And it's a constant contraction and expansion. You know, it's this negotiation of movement space and life and yeah, discussion and everything. I think, yeah, we, I mean, that question of how much space do you take up? But there are times when not to be playing small, but there are times when you want to open the stage or the space for someone else to express so that you can, you know, have that relationship. So yeah, and and definitely in hooping too, I I often think about that, you know, contracting the movements and and coming down and kind of, you know, preparing for the next like big expansive movement. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of, um, yeah, that contrast between the small and the big and the opening and the curling down or contracting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like we <laughs> <laughs> we could just talk about this forever. I know, I know. Oh. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of like the the polar opposites of things, like contracting and expanding, and um, um, being controlled and by learning tricks, and then just letting go and being free. And actually, it just really sounds that hooping has. I don't know if this is all from hooping, but that it's given you like such a nice wide repertoire of expression that you can explore both sides of those spectrum and kind of switch between them and or go in the middle and whenever, you know, with intention because you you sound so aware of that, which is so great. Mm. And um, it's, it's funny because I, I feel like people might see from the outside like oh it's just hoop dance it's beautiful like you know anyone who ever sees me with my hoop is just really amazed because it's a hula hoop um (laughs) but it's just like from this conversation it's like it's so much deeper than that like look how much you can learn about yourself yeah yeah and it has again it's that that kind of multifaceted 
the hoop life. I mean, if anyone's been hooping for long enough or, you know, that might be a couple of weeks, months, years, decades, whatever it might be, um, everyone's going to be a bit different, but you will start to notice an evolution in your movement and yeah, just the way that you practice and, and then the emotions that you bring to that practice. And for some people it truly is trick learning and they really like that and they really like to drill and it's no more than there's not a lot of um, other life lessons or they don't think about it that deeply. It's a great tool to have an awesome workout and to learn some cool tricks and, you know, maybe share with a friend. And then for others, yeah, it becomes like our whole entire life and way that we express and the way that we actually grow and heal and work on life and love and relationships. It's, it's quite incredible that it's, yeah, not everyone gets it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes it's hard. People just see it as a plastic circle and that's fine. You know, um, we all get what we need from different things in life. Yeah, well, the point of this podcast and like why I'm so happy we're having this conversation now is because, you know, I, I worked with a lot of different people who maybe haven't been able to draw those kinds of connections. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's not a reflection of <clears throat> their intelligence or not. I just think that we all have, you know, different strengths and different kinds of intelligences. So like to have that yeah. body intelligence is really great. And to be able to connect the nonverbal with the verbal and like your story makes it known that that's possible like you can take it deeper if there is a way that you're looking for you know some kind of personal development but just not sure how to go about it it can happen yeah. with a hoop and it can happen with movement yeah absolutely 100 yeah. percent. and i think even like you said when people see you with the hoop they're so fascinated and that is actually it's a really valuable thing because if that just inspires them to even just pick it up one afternoon or I don't know at a barbecue or at a festival or whatever or, or just be inspired to, to move a little and even if they don't like like for me in the beginning I didn't really put any labels on it I didn't quite understand where this was all going to go and and how huge and life-changing it could be but um, I just hope that when people do see hoopers that it just inspires movement and um yeah they just go on a path that feels right for them everyone's going to be different it's it's quite amazing watching over the last decade of how um pooping has changed and and the the leveling up of tricks and just creativity and just the expansion of it all over the world i mean um i teach hoopers from like norway to new zealand and <laughs> croatia canada and it really is you know once upon a time i thought that Hooping was just this um, thing that there was like a mecca in the USA and it was so amazing. And, you know, and that it's not like that at all. It really is the inspiration to move and be creative is spreading over the entire planet in places that you wouldn't even believe. So, yeah, that's always my wish that um, the other people see the hoop. It's iconic. It's old. There's nothing new about it, but we can you know, we can inject our own inspiration and style and expression into it. Yeah, whatever gets you in there, like you said, I mean, for some people, it could be yoga, it could be some type yeah. of dance. But if you know, I, I was thinking before our interview that I, I really stopped dancing consistently after college. And there was little motivating me to keep on dancing. You know, like I went to some classes um, in when I was living in New York, but it was very 
very technical and competitive and I just, it wasn't right. Like I knew I wanted to improv, but I just didn't have the motivation or I couldn't find the place. And I only started hooping four months ago tomorrow, actually. Yeah. Four months ago tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you. Um, And ever since I got my hoop, I've been dancing every day, even if it's just for five minutes. And it's like, I I finally found something that can bring me back in and I, of course, I dance as part of my job as a dance therapist, but that's not for me. That's for my clients. This is like something I can truly do moving for me and flowing and being creative like that. So it's like you just had to find that one thing and hooping to be that that one thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so wonderful <laughs> to hear. It's really – and what I love too is that, yeah, you could be someone like me who had never really – dance like I wasn't a professional dancer I just love to move or yeah I see a lot of incredible and I think this is what is really evolving the art is that we're having incredible people like you who are talented as trained dancers and then also dance therapists or yogis or acrobats or you know so it's really like just cross-pollinating this art and just making it come alive in ways that will just continue to grow. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, are there any other qualities of movement that you'd like to incorporate more into your movement repertoire? Uh, yeah. You know, things have definitely changed since those early days of seeing a trick, a basic trick, trying to learn that basic trick repeating that over and over again and then moving on to the next one, you know. So um, that for me was really early stages. And then, you know, I went through a long time of of performing, so there was a lot of other elements that came into that. And um, what I really actually try to do a lot these days is the technique that I call trick restriction where I have my hoop with me and I dance – and express and allow whatever it is to come out of me, but I don't do any tricks. Mm-hmm. So I just have one hand placement or, you know, I might just have one consistent element that I stick to and the rest is pure um, improv and freestyle movement. And for me in this stage of my hooping life, that that's what I really focus on because I feel like that helps me to, to do that, like, epic brain dump that helps me to really um move into yeah to flow and to express in a a new way um and I know that will change because my hooping has changed a lot over the years and just when I think like oh yeah you know maybe I'm getting a little like stale with my hooping something brand new will come in whether that's you know yeah a movement style or a restriction or um, maybe it could be a new teacher that I'm like, oh, wow, you know, like a, um, not necessarily like a hoop teacher, just someone else that I might bump into or um, it could be a new music style that kind of comes into my my life, whatever it is. So, yeah, right now, it, funnily enough, even though I teach tricks all the time, I'm trying to restrict them in personal practice so that I can find new layers of depth in my movement. Mm. Sounds like spontaneity too, like just being spontaneous. Would you say that? Yeah. 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 There's there's definitely merit in creating sequences and 
drilling those and putting them together and then adding your layers of style and flair on top of that kind of trick sequence. Um, but I think there's lots of different ways to come at it. You know, I really don't think there's one road to flow or there's one road to hooping. And so I think to maintain inspiration and a desire to continue to hoop, it's really, really valuable to explore different paths. So, Mm. so that's where I'm at right now, which is, it's pretty fun. It's like put on the music and just go for it. (laughs) That's great. I think that's a good life lesson is to just go for it and be yes. in the moment and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and definitely I think like life reflects, hooping, hooping reflects life. Um, and so I've, I've learned those lessons through um, change in my own life and, and moving and just being open to to trusting that it's going to be okay and that I don't have to know what's next. And I think that was a really massive theme in my life recently. Um, and so it's definitely like, um, yeah, it kind of started to come out a lot more in my hooping as well. So yeah, it's all kind of mixed in as one. <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say? Maybe that was it, but what would you say is your greatest life lesson you've learned so far? Oh, well, yeah, that's Yeah, I think it's – look, it definitely has to have something to do with with flow, but also, um, you know, that kind of like going with the flow, going with your hoop, moving with it, and and just like, you know, floating along in the stream is, is really peaceful and blissful and, and you get to just enjoy and chill out, but – also the contrast or the flip side of that is that when you do go against that that flow or you do go against what you already know um and you find challenge and you meet it and you move through it then there's also excitement and I mean there's discomfort in that but then there's also excitement and wonder and newness when you get like shot out the other side of that so we really do have this this choice to kind of go with it and drift and be like, Ooh, this is bliss or, um, yeah, flip that and go against it and meet, meet those challenges and, and see what comes from that. Um, which is pretty, yeah, it's, um, a massive life lesson. I feel like there's a million others that <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk mm-hmm. about, but um, yeah, that, that's a huge one. Do it. That's funny because that reminds me of the story that you started out with is that you were a school teacher and I mean, maybe you could have been complacent in that role. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But you could have just kind of continued with that flow. But you made that choice to go completely against it and do something completely different. And um, maybe that was challenging, but it brought you this whole other path. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we can kind of, it's really sweet being yummy and comfortable in something. And sometimes it seems so crazy that we would, you know, give that up to, to go down a path that we don't even, we don't know the answers and we don't know how to get there. And we don't even know what's on the other side of it. But, um, yeah, making that decision to kind of go against things, I think, it always works out, you know, um, to a certain degree in your favor because it just, it's filled with excitement and wonder and, and newness. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, that's definitely something that the Hoopers taught me that I'm 
super grateful for. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. How do you get through life challenges? I mean, what do you, how do you find inspiration when the going gets tough? And do you ever find yourself in ruts, either with your hoop or just in life? You know, what, what helps you get through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, there's a lot that kind of peaks and troughs. I think that's life. And I think understanding that the cycles of life are not meant to be, we're not meant to be peaking and on top of the hill and like, all of the time and when you can when you come to understand that about yourself it's like when you have days weeks months where your inspiration and your ideas are not you know at full throttle that you have to also understand and accept or I have to understand and accept that that is part of the process and it's part of the cycle um and without especially I find for me that I need that downtime and I need that chill time and I need that quiet time and not to put pressure on myself that, oh, I have to be producing something or I have to be going at 100% because nothing in life at all goes at 100% all of the time unless it's just heading for insane burnout. So yeah, no, <laughs> um, so I have I've really learned to honour the times when I just want to hang out and nurture and it's actually in those times it's like the seasons of our planet as well it's like in the winter we hibernate and we you know we like just hang out indoors and we we learn new things and we you know cook new recipes and uh, we get together with friends and family so that in the summertime we're ready and we're rejuvenated and we're you know it's time to kind of go wild and head to the beach or whatever it is that you know the cycle of life is for you um, and it's the same. It's the same for inspiration with hooping or with creating or teaching. That there are times I can go months and months without really having any massive bright spark of newness. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to give up. I'm not going to stop hooping. I'm not going to stop teaching. I'm not going to stop my life and my life purpose just because, you know, I'm not like vibing at 100%. So inspiration comes from a lot of different places uh it can be something as simple as driving down the street and the windows are down and a song comes on the radio and you're just like yes like that (laughs) song you know my whole entire system is just like alive with inspiration from one really random encounter with a crazy dance song that comes on a radio you know and that's not something I can't force that I don't know when that's going to come I just have to be ready and open and willing Mm. Um, so it can come that way it could come from like the most insanely beautiful sunset or watching like this morning I was watching these two girls out on the waves like just cutting sticks like surfing like just just movement on on their surfboard and I was like wow that's so good you know so it can come from places that I really I can't force and I don't set up there's nothing um it's just purely it's just nature and then other times yeah I'll go on the hunt for inspiration like I'll take myself on (laughs) on a date where I'm searching for things or I'll you know be like I did when I first found hooping I'll be trolling the internet for something to inspire me um something outside of hooping you know usually helps me to inject if I watch like you know if my feed or whatever it is my internet my whole entire screen is just filled with poopers well it's like the same same and I can't I'm not getting anything fresh and new from that so I really have to be conscious of what my screen is feeding me mm-hmm. um I want to get inspiration and um, sometimes it's like 
I don't know, talking to people outside of the hoop world or going to um, a party, I don't know, or going to a cooking class. Or it could be anything. I think life is just filled with lots of different wonders. And so um, ruts are inevitable, but inspiration is everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> Such a good perspective to see that things happen in waves and it's not just like you're on a cliff and then you fall off and then you can't get back yeah. up. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part. I actually, my, my second episode of this podcast talks a lot about that stuck mm-hmm. transition time where it's like, it feels like you're stuck, but there's movement in everything and there's things happening all the time and it, you're not stuck. It's just, it feels like really, really slowed down. Um, and to just stay open and like trust that process that something you'll get inspiration from somewhere is so important yeah yeah sometimes and I think this is the most beautiful thing in life that you just don't even know what's around the corner but if you're like hiding in your (laughs) you know it's really easy to hide I get it I do it as well if you're just hiding and not willing to kind of stay eyes open even if you don't want to if you just want to be under the covers which is totally acceptable for many moments in life but um yeah just to just to stay relatively awake and open to what possibilities could be there um yeah you just get surprised time and time again so even when it's tough yeah yeah and as you were talking uh, about the last question I was just thinking about the the therapists and the healers that listen to this podcast and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that might not be your title. You might call yourself an instructor, but you were obviously doing healing with a whole lot of people around the world. And I kind of wonder, I wonder if you go through the same process that we do as therapists, um, mm-hmm. just kind of holding uh, other people's emotions through challenges I know for me and for therapists and healers, it's really tough, you know, to hold all that and then like learning where to let it go. But I wonder if you feel the same thing um, and if that's part of, you know, what's what could be difficult about your role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I set out to teach hooping on YouTube, actually, with a very, very strong intention. There was no like I kind of did fall into it, but I was very um I was very focused that I wanted to give and I wanted to help and I wanted to teach people how to hula hoop and I was going to do that weekly and there would be a structure and this was going to, you know, it was going to give back what I had been given and I I had my whole entire heart and soul into that Um, and I wanted to ultimately, you know, underneath that, the kind of shadow was that I wanted to people please. I wanted to make sure that everyone was going to be good at this and, you know, I wanted to help them and, and how was I going to do that? And I just keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and answering everyone's questions and everyone's going to be okay. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you know, two, three years into that, I was like, like a shell of a, (laughs) of a woman because all I was doing was giving, 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 giving. And yes, I was hooping, but I found that my personal practice, I was teaching so many classes every week. I was, you know, I'd be like doing all these online lessons and videoing myself and every single thing that I was doing while I was moving, it was for someone else. Um, it was, it was trying to help someone else or show someone else, or this is how you do it. You can do it. Come on, you know, cheering everyone else on. And 
that gave me purpose, but I also had to get really kind of hyper aware and real about what that was doing to my practice and my life and my focus and my relationships and, and just everything, you know? And so, um, yeah, you do hit points where you're like, Whoa, okay. I'm, I'm really trying to do a lot here and I'm trying to please other people, but how am I going to sustain this? You know, if this is, if my original intention is to continue and I want to kind of keep going with this, I need, I need to come back to me. And without, you know, there were moments when I was like, oh, I'm just, I, I just have to give this up. Like, I'm just going to walk away from this. But that, that really wouldn't serve a purpose either. And then there'd be this whole huge kind of grief process of, <laughs> of like letting go of something that, um, gives my life so much purpose. And then I also feel like I'm, I'm providing value and a service. So I had to really renegotiate the terms with myself and, and what I was willing or able to give. So, um, yeah, I can really kind of get into that people pleasing mode. And Mm -hmm. these days I just stay hyper aware of how much I am expending and giving out and then how much also, other people really need to take responsibility for their learning. There's only so much that I can give and, um, you know, I'll be as helpful as I possibly can, but I'm not a 24 hour. Yeah. It felt like I was for many years and I loved it, you know, but I, yeah, you get to a certain point where you realize that, that that's a lot of energy to give. And, um, yeah, there are ways to be more balanced. And so, <laughs> so I, I guess um, the end to that story is that I regained my personal practice for me and it wasn't just as a teacher, as a giver, this is how you do it, I'm going to instruct you, you know, everything's for you, you, you. It, it now, when I hoop, I hoop for me. Yeah, yeah, I could hear that from the way you're talking about it now and sounds like that was another really great lesson in life about balance. Mm. Yeah, and you have to yeah. take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. Absolutely. It's the great challenge, isn't it? As as I'm sure, yeah, like you were alluding to before, and someone who really, like yourself, is a healer and a therapist and, and a support giver, yeah, carrying the weight of other people and then also, yeah, not fulfilling your own kind of desires. It, it gets it can come to a really kind of messy and draining place. So to catch that before it happens, which doesn't always work yeah, out. Always, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you better go down into the dark hole to realize, oh, okay. I did it again. I'm <laughs> back out here really quick. Um, yeah. So, but I think we get better and better at it. Um, the more times we kind of hit that wall, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, hopefully we're learning from our experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's helpful to hear. Um, I know you gave some suggestions before about like things that people can do to find inspiration and things along that line. But is there, do you do any other body-based practices that helps you um, get through those harder times? Yeah. Yeah. Over the years, um, and definitely since starting to hoop, that's opened me up to many different practices and dance styles. And I do try to go to as many it's like I'm a dance class hopper. Like I, I've never really stuck to one particular style apart from hooping um, and yoga, you know, and again, like I kind of 
go in and out of different yoga styles, but yoga is always there. And I'll always either find a self-practice or, you know, I will, when I need a little bit more discipline, I start to go to classes. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really beautiful balance as well. And it's a really great way to kind of um, just maintain the body's strength and not as I'm getting older, I'm, I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to have recovered from a pre-hooping injury and hooping really helped me, um, but I'm also conscious that, yeah, we need to move our bodies in lots of different ways to kind of just maintain mobility and just to find new freedom and um, expression and flexibility. So, yeah, yoga is, is always there. It's, it's an on and off relationship, but she's my, <laughs> she's my go-to. Um, I, for a really long time, really enjoyed ecstatic dance and, um, a lot of kind of five rhythms play. Uh, and I think because it reminded me of old school dance floors, um, in a, in a little bit healthier environment, you know, not in a, a dark club or anything. So yeah, explored many different, or everything from like pole dancing to twerking <laughs> to hip hop to, you know, just anything because I think, um, it gives inspiration to hooping as well. And it's really fun to, you know, to say go to improv or contemporary dance classes and and then be able to see that um, kind of thread through my hooping. And some of it sticks and some of it doesn't, but I, I think that's just a really, a really good process. Yeah. Yeah, that's a matter of exploring all these different parts of yourself. Speaking of the movement repertoire and the movement qualities, the more you explore different types of movement qualities, like you can go to, um, yeah, contemporary class to like very mm -hmm. intense hip hop class and you're exploring two different characters of your own self yeah. and you get to say like, yeah. I like, I want to keep this, I want to do more of this, or this is not as much of what I want to incorporate in my life. But. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also supremely uh, just fascinated by facilitation. I mean, I began my life kind of journey as a teacher and that's always been that underlying purpose of anything. Even if I hadn't found the hula hoop, I would have been teaching in some fashion, some, some modality, who knows what, um, <laughs> what it might be. I'm thankful that it was the hula hoop, but, um, so going to these different classes, I'm just transfixed by the teacher and, you know, what, how they create their class and what they develop and, and how they support students through processes of learning and frustration. And so that to me is another layer that that's kind of, I think, why I hop around to so many classes because I just, I just love facilitation and I, I just get such a, a kick out of just seeing teachers in their element and, and seeing new kind of class activities and things like that are really inspiring to me as a teacher. So yeah, a kind of, like to spy on other teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that I don't know if I have any listeners who are hoopers. I guess I wouldn't really know. <laughs> and so maybe someone feels inspired to pick that up or just explore that. Do you want to give your information of your website and how people can find you? Sure. Yeah, well, my main website is hooplovers.tv, but a lot of people find me because of YouTube. I think YouTube is like this 
crazy big search engine where you can just like look for how to do anything. And luckily for me, um, there seem to be quite a few people who are looking for how to hula hoop. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah. So on YouTube as well. And then Instagram for me, I'm Deanne Love XO. And that's a real kind of personal uh, account. It's a lot of hooping, but it's also a lot of the stuff that we t- we've talked about today. Um, just a lot of the processes and inspiration and the ups and downs of, of movement and life. So yeah, hooplovers.tv and Deanne Love XO or YouTube. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I learned waist hooping was, I think probably your, one of your most popular videos, right? Like how to waist hoop for beginners. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my first yeah. ever, and it's cringeworthy, but apparently it was. Like, <laughs> like was that me? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm a different woman ten years on. Well, I think that was like seven years ago, but yeah, it was just. And it's that. Um, it's another one of the lessons from hooping. It's like just go for it. Just try it out, just do it. And in this case, it was like teaching um, waist hooping on a YouTube video that is, if, if you watch it, you'll know what I mean. It's a little bizarre, but um, yeah, it's like, just go for it because what's the worst that can happen? You'll drop your hoop and then you'll just try again and you'll pick it up and you'll find other ways. And so, yeah, that, that's been a big lesson for me as well, just to kind of, you know, even if, if you feel like you just want to cringe and, and you feel like you suck. It, do, it That's not what it's about. Like moving through the process, just keep going. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it took me three weeks to waste too. So <laughs> that feels yeah. like a long time. That was every day too. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big misconception because when you look at a hooper, it's like, oh yeah, that's pretty easy. I could do that. You know, it's just the toy. Like how hard can it be? (laughs) But most hoopers will tell you, yeah, it's such a process of learning and um, understanding the body and its movements. So yes, if your listeners are not hoopers, they should definitely get an adult hoop, adult size hoop. (laughs) Just give it a go. Yeah. And I'll definitely attach your those links down in the description of the podcast too, just so they can click on it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. So great talking to you about all of this and just so inspirational about how much you've learned about yourself and your life through this movement-based exploration. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We just, uh, yeah, like I said, many times I could just talk to you for hours. <laughs> maybe <laughs> there's just so much to explore and yeah i really appreciate this conversation and i hope there's many more even if it's not for your podcast wow well i will definitely take her up on that if you enjoy this episode and you want to hear more about strengthening your mind body connection please visit the podcast on itunes stitcher google play and you could just search mind your body on google and these podcast episodes will come up See you next time.